Hey everyone, it's uh, David Barnett and I'm back with another interview program and uh, today something very special. I've got two guests who are building out a franchise network talking about a very specific niche within the real estate industry. And so tonight we're going to be having a conversation all about building a business in a profitable specific niche. We're going to be talking about having an idea for a franchise network and, and building it out and getting franchisees and we're going to be answering your questions. So when you tune in, if you want to ask something, just put the questions in the comments. And uh, throughout the course of this interview, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll let your questions pop up and we'll answer them. So let me run the intro and we'll bring in the guests. I'm David C. Barnett, and you're tuned in to Small Business and Dealmaking, the podcast, YouTube channel and blog, where I talk about buying, selling, financing and managing small and medium sized businesses while controlling risk. So if you're looking to take control of your future through buying a business one day, or if you already own a business and you're looking to grow or exit, you've come to the right place. I talk about interesting things. I talk to interesting people and I answer your questions every week right here. So be sure to hit like and be sure to hit subscribe and let's get to it. Awesome. I'm joined now by Chris Mosier and Scott, Scott Frierksen. How are you two doing tonight? Awesome. Doing great. Thanks for having us. Awesome. Uh, thank you. And so, so why don't we start off? I'd like you to start off. Maybe Scott, you can uh, tell us what exactly is the business? What's the business name and how long has it been going? So our business name is called Lakefront Living Realty, the parent company, Lakefront Living International. And we are a real estate company that specializes specifically in lakefront property. So that is our niche. That's what we've been focused on since well, I started back in 2009, but the business itself got going in 2015 or so. And, um, you know, we like to think of it as kind of, um, you know, really niche marketing works. I mean, the, the way when you focus on something, you kind of narrow your focus, you expand your appeal. And that's been our our market presence and, and the way we directed this company since day one. And and so w did you have a real estate background before you started to get into selling lake, lakefront property? I was in the corporate world for 17 years and it was 17 years. I was thinking I shouldn't be there. So it really was around 9-11, believe it or not, um, that uh, kind of changed my focus a little bit. And I wanted to do something that I was pretty passionate about. And I was fortunate to grow up on a lake and live on a lake my whole life and so that whole concept of lakefront property was kind of uh, in my blood. Okay. And and Chris, you why don't you give us your background and how you came to be a part of this team? Yeah, so I had a little bit different background than Scott. I didn't grow up on a lake at all. Uh, from central Ohio, I'm a Buckeye. And uh, my husband and I had married and we wanted to blend our family. So we decided to buy a lake house. I uh, wanted to be like an hour from our home and Columbus, Ohio area. And I couldn't, I was with Remax. Uh, I started with Remax and had been with them. And then I was with them the entire time until I started doing this. So was, that was a big move for me. Um, but I couldn't find a lake home anywhere, just like lake houses. It was very hard to find it on the internet back then. Um, I had to go and drive around the lakes. And I just, when we after we had our lake house and I was sitting on the end of the dock with my husband one day and just, I couldn't get enough of selling or seeing lake homes and helping people buy them. And I decided, I just want to make this my niche. I don't even want to drive back to Columbus and sell back there. I just want to sell at lakes. 
So I started as calling myself Central Ohio's Lakefront Specialist, and it took off. Um, I couldn't even handle, I couldn't believe how many people were out there just wanting to buy just strictly lake home within two hours of Columbus. Um, I ended up expanding to be statewide because people uh, found me from other places and I wanted to expand even more, uh, but being uh, with Remax territory uh, rules, I wasn't allowed, I couldn't do that. So that's when I started uh, looking out in the internet world to see, well, there has to be somebody out there with this concept of selling just strictly lakefront homes. Uh, I found Scott and we connected and he wasn't franchised, but he's like, I've always thought about this. So we got together seven years ago and decided to give it a shot. And here we are and growing. And it's just an absolutely dream of what's happening here. So. So when I think about lake homes, I think primarily of a vacation spot. So, you know, like the, the, the cottage by the lake kind of thing. And you mentioned that you were looking for a lake home that was within an hour of Columbus. And a lot of people were kind of looking in that two hour area. C can you explain how many people that are out there looking for these properties are looking for year round homes versus the vacation property? And for the ones who are looking for the vacation property, what tends to be their criteria as far as distance from their from their regular home? Right. And, you know, it's crazy as we start expanding into these different states, how each mar each state is a different market. Uh, okay. The further south you go, that's a lot of retirees, so they want full time. Whereas more further north for me in Ohio, um, the buyers, they wanted a second home within two hours of their primary home, but they just want the cute little cottage chalet on the lake. They want the true lake home. Uh, where Scott's at, and I'll let him speak about that, it's totally different. He's in land of the lakes, everything's a lake. So everybody lives on a lake and that's more of a full-time thing. But um, so it's just different, but they're, you know, if they're looking for the second home, they just want the small, cute lake house. Uh, but the full-time people want, you know, the bigger, more residential home, but then, uh, everything changed when COVID came around. I because bet. now everyone who had the second lake home, they were selling their primary home, moving to their lake house, selling their primary house. So it's really shifted a lot in the past two years. Well, can you tell me, speaking of work from home, uh, you know, when I think of a lake house property and I, I've got friends and relatives that own cottages and things, one of the things that is seems to be common with them is that they're usually in places where the internet capacity or speeds are not quite as good as they would be in the city. Is that is that the case where you are too? Is this one of the factors that influences whether people can can pull off working from the lake house? Yeah, I, I you know I think um, depending on what market they're in, we've seen a little bit of that, but I think that connectivity is getting so much better over the last five years or so that that tends to be less of an issue now. Okay. Like Chris said, you know, during COVID, people discovered it. Well, now they can work from home, and if they can, why not live in a place where we can live, work, and play all at once? And so the shift from being kind of a vacation home to full time has really changed over the last couple of years. Speaking of lakes, uh, Kevin, who's down in Lakeland, Florida, says good evening to us. Thanks, Kevin, for joining us. It's great to see you again tonight. Um, so. You you were both seeing this demand for people that specifically wanted lakefront properties. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey when you decided to make it into a franchise? What was that experience like as far as, you know, regulation and creating this business plan and sort of the moving from selling lakefront property to really selling people a business opportunity? 
Mm-hmm. Well, I, I could tell you, um, Scott and I are polar opposites in personality. He has the systems developed. He's the disciplined person who sits down and can blog. And he created systems that made life so easy for him. I, on the other hand, when I was with Remax, I ran around like a chicken with my head cut off and my business ran me. I did not run my business. So, um, and I was just a sales agent. I wasn't a broker. So when we started this whole process and decided to do this, I'm like, well, first I got to become a broker. Um, and then if we're going to sell something, we're going to sell your systems and you're going to help me have a simplified life, which it has completely changed the way my life is now. I, I, I run my business and it does not run me. I I can travel, I can do whatever I want. Whereas before I felt like I couldn't do anything. Um, so Scott, I'll let you take it from here because your systems really are what transformed the way I ran my business and, and how I went from there. Well, it's funny, David, I was just talking to someone today. They were a, a broker that's been in the business for 20 years and, um, what I've come to discover as we talk to these brokers around the country is that, you know, they haven't been, they haven't had a 20 year career in real estate. They'd had one year careers 20 times. Mm. And the reason I say that is, um, you know, they just kind of do the same thing every year, chasing the same deals every year, but they don't really think of it as what's the, what's the end game. What's the exit plan. And I think that's where Chris and I took a little different path. And we started with the exit plan in mind when we created this. So we want brokers to have, the opportunity not to just walk away from their business at the end of 20 years, but having built something of value that they can either say, well, I can, I can, you know, continue to milk it as the cash cow that it is. I can hand it off to a family member or I can just sell it outright. But all those options are in play when you build something of value where um, in the past, you know, sometimes we've gone back to those people after two years and said, where are you now? And they're in the same place they were two years ago. And had they just invested those two years into into systems management and putting systems in place to build a business of value, they would have taken a huge step towards what they could do with that business eventually. Hmm. Yeah, I thought I would. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, go ahead, Chris. No, I was just going to say, I always thought as a sales agent that one day I'll sell my database. Maybe, you know, I think that's the way most or if I even thought about the end, uh, how would I retire from this? Uh, whereas right now everyone has a database and that really doesn't have the value that it used to and, and to own something and to work towards something that you have and that you own that you could sell or give away or continue on or it's just awesome. We have a, a comment here from another viewer um, who says from a realtor's point of view, what's the difference between lakefront house and any other kind of house? And and this is great because it leads into one of the main themes I wanted to get in here to into today is that you know, a, a real estate office can sell any kind of real estate there is out there. And certainly before you came along, other real estate offices were selling lakefront properties. What is the difference and why does it, why is there an opportunity for you to segment what most people might consider a very tiny portion of this overall market? Well, one's a place to hang your hat. The other one's paradise. <laughs> <laughs> I think what, you know, what happens is, um, we always talk about life, lakefront lifestyle and the lifestyle is what we sell and it's what we live and it's what we believe in. So, you know, I think the people for that 1% of the population, that's always the hard part, right? Is to say, we're going to take the entire circumference of real estate properties out there. I'm going to throw 99% of them away 
that we're going to focus in on this 1%. But that 1% represents a very large segment of the population out there. And we also know that for the people who really want that lifestyle and that's what they desire, they want experts to go to because there's a lot of questions that come up when they're looking at a particular kind of property. So, um, so the difference is that, you know, that 1% is, I know in New England, it's like a $1.2 billion business. So, you know, it's not like it's a small segment, it's a pretty large segment. So it's all about being, I think in our minds, you know, the, the big fish in the small pond. So for those people that are looking for Lakefront, we are the experts and that's all we do. And they, they kind of seek us out for that. When we think about bodies of water, obviously there's a lot of, and increasingly from one year to the next, there's more and more sort of environmental regulation about what you can do when you're, you're on a, on a, on a piece of water. How does lakefront property differ from the rest of it as far as the, the knowledge and expertise that an agent has to have to make sure that things are compliant and, and what kind of special problems might arise during one of these transactions? You know, that's that's a great question. I think one of the key differences that makes us different than anyone else, because each lake is so different and even areas of the lake are different. So, you know, a main lake with the wake versus a cove and, you know, calmer waters. But then in coves, certain coves, you have higher weed species growing in there. Um, on some lakes, you can swim, some you can't. Some you can have jet skis, other you can't. So there's, you know, boat length limits and horsepower limits. Right. Or no boats whatsoever. So the key, what I found when I expanded to Ohio and uh, even key for our franchisees is having an agent at each lake that lives there, that can take people that knows the lake, like the back of their hand, they can take people out on the boat, explain the lake and the different areas. Uh, for me in Ohio, it's a bunch of small lakes. So I have different agents at different lakes, but like our uh, Missouri franchisee, she is, she's on Lake of the Ozarks. That thing is so enormous. It's so huge. And that place is a party place. Oh, my goodness. We went down there. You could be on there for days. And it's huge yachts. And it's restaurant and bar after restaurant and bar. And they just have a blast down there. But it's so massive and so big. She has one lake, but different areas that mm. she has agents specializing in. So she knows when she gets a lead for someone looking in this price range or or this um, like very specialized and knowledge that nobody else would know about the lake unless you probably live there. And so part of the franchise system is, is it a database? Because it sounds to me like you almost have to sell the lake in addition to selling the property. Yeah, that's a great point. Cause we've always said, you're not just buying, you know, a house, you're buying a lake and that the details of that lake become very important. And I think that's why lakefrontliving.com got so, um, busy fast was because we we publicized all the details of those lakes on our site which didn't exist before so you know if you're looking to find like chris said the weed counts and drawdowns and recreational activities everything we on there we're trying to list all that stuff on our site so at least those buyers can make informed decisions yeah a buyer can go on and say i'm going to be within two hours of my house um i want this horsepower i want to be able to swim but i don't want jet skis what lakes are within a two hour radius. And we put in their zip code with that criteria and it'll pop up all the lakes. Then they could go to each lake and look at all that criteria and the homes that are for sale on that lake. Okay. And and so how long ago was it that, it sounds like Chris, your uh, business was kind of like the model for the franchise moving forward. Is that accurate? 
Um, you no, call it model, we call it a guinea pig. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. No, I mean, I think Scott actually, uh, he probably has the model because what he started out for me was Ohio and I went all over Ohio, but he started New Hampshire and then he moved into other states because it just started spreading for him the same way it did for me. Um, so he was in four states that were probably the size of Ohio, if you think about it. But, yeah. um, uh, but, now, I, I would say, Scott, you were more that and you got it all organized, whereas I had the same concept, but didn't organize it until I came alongside with you. Yes, you know, I read this book a while back called The E-Myth. I don't know if you've ever read that at all, but a um, big fan of that book. Yeah, yeah it, it, it changed a lot of my thinking. And of course, one of the things in there, it says, it says, build every business like there's going to be 10,000 more just like it. And I really took that to heart. And, you know, anything I did in terms of you know constructing my business personally i documented and um you know put it down on paper and just tried to act like a, you know the mcdonald's of real estate and just document everything so i think when it came time to you know put its uh, operations manuals in place and so forth for franchising that became a little bit of an easier task for us than maybe most and so how long has it been since you had an, uh, someone other than the two of you operating one of these units uh, our first partner started in 2017, I believe it was. Okay. And how many people have joined since? So we're now in 13 states, and that represents uh, some company-owned states and other partner-owned states. We call all our franchisees partners because that's what they are. So if you hear me reference that, that's what I'm talking about. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've got some really good representation out there in Missouri, like the Ozarks, like Chris mentioned, and Tennessee and Alabama and Arkansas and New Hampshire. So uh, we're trying to get everything east of the Mississippi nailed down and then move out west. And so let's talk a little bit about that that journey to to become a franchisor. You talked about the systems and 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 so that the person could then execute the business. But let's talk about the, the sort of legal stuff and the selling of the franchises, because I I, I meet people who say, you know, I'm working on a business concept. I think it could become a franchise one day. I'd like you to share a little bit about what that's really like from the point of view of someone who's gone through that. <clears throat> what, what did you think it was going to be like? And then how did that expectation maybe uh, vary from what actually happened? Well, it's um, it was a big learning curve. I mean, you know, I like to say we couldn't spell franchises five years ago. So, <laughs> um, you know, and it's just about diving into as much information as you can to learn about that practice and that business model. And there's a lot of trial and error. You know, I'll say the first thing to do is to get an incredibly good uh, franchise attorney, someone that specializes in that, again, a, a niche. Um, but if they specialize in that, then they have a thorough understanding of what it takes legally to put a business through that process. Um, but it's, it's a huge learning curve. And I think, you know, there's been trial and error for us too, but I, I kind of, I thrive on that because I think if anybody who's an entrepreneur, they're also the, the continuous improvement type. They're the what's next mentality type. And so, um, you know, the more the more I can learn about something, then the more I get into it. So, but yeah, I think there's there's a lot and maybe Chris, you can speak to this, but there's a lot. I think we learned early on that had no idea was involved with franchising. There was some other routes we could have gone. We could have gone more of a licensing pattern mm -hmm. and maybe done something like that. But again, 
you know, I think we started with the exit plan in mind. We wanted these brokers to be able to really live the same lifestyle and choices that we did. And we know how well it works for us. So we, so we want to set as many people up in that position as we can. And, and franchising was really our, our business model to do that. And, you know, for me, when, when we started this, I had owned a small franchise once before. Uh, it was called Dream Dinner. So I had a little bit of knowledge about the franchise. But then again, I had a business partner that she did the whole documentation, everything. So when Scott and I met with our franchise attorney and started reading all this, it was so above my head. Um, although I completely understand it now, uh, that was a that was a long, tedious process that, you know, the government requires you to do. There's We have no choice but to do exactly what the government, the wording of the franchise agreement is done mm -hmm. by the government So um, and, and attorneys. So it's just understanding uh, what that is. But we, we simplified it into a, a, a FDD for dummies kind of uh, synopsis of our franchise agreement that we uh, give to people to kind of summarize the main points if, if you want to say that. And, and, uh, and the FDD but, is the franchise disclosure document. This is the, the package you give to any prospective franchisee that which contains all this information and different state laws mandate what needs to be included in this package, basically. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and so have you had, now you've been signing people up for the last few years. Have you had any of the units change hands yet? No, we have our original people, and, uh, and and that's the advantage of, I think, Chris and I being able to, you know, this was financed all by us. We don't have any outside investors, and we, we mm -hmm. said from the beginning that this wants to be a really, we want this to be a family atmosphere. So we're very, very picky about who comes into our little world here. And the advantage to that is, I think, you know, we get really close with these partners that we have. We get to share information, and we get to help each other grow. Everybody has the same mindset. And so, you know, we get to control that, and that's really nice. Um, and I would, you know, I would encourage anyone who's, you know, start looking to start their first franchise business that those first five or six or ten that you bring on are the most important you'll ever bring on. Yeah, they they they're the ones that anyone down the road are going to look to when they see when they when they try to decide if this is something that really works or not. They're going to want to see how the first few people did. And I've, I've advised people before that have wanted to start up a franchise. And I've said the first few people have to be the people that have what it takes in the right markets, et cetera, to be successful because they're going to set the tone of everyone that comes from behind you. And your, your comment about, you know, not having investors or, or big loans, for example, hanging over your head in this, in this endeavor is that it does give you the flexibility to make the correct choices. I've seen people choose the wrong people just because they had the money right. and they, there was a need to, you know, create a cash flow. And and this kind of, you know, how did your mindset change going from selling properties most of the time to now selling this business opportunity? Was it did it do you still see the person buying the lake house as your customer? I know that some people in franchising have a little bit of a, a trouble seeing that differentiation. Who is their customer? It's, it's the franchisee, right? Yeah, Chris and I still run our own brokerages. So we're still maintaining that business level and wearing the hats of being the franchisors at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, but I think, you know, that's kind of a testament to the way we've set up our business model is that Chris and I know that we are we work on our business and not in it. So we have teams of people in place that run our systems, 
And, um, you know, it allows us the flexibility to work on building the business on the other side. That is one of our passions. So, you know, I think that's what we try to do is get every broker that we work with to that same level that we're at. And so they can have the flexibility to be in Hawaii for a month and their, their business continues to run without them there because the systems are in place running that business. Would we? Would it be fair to say that anyone who's going to become one of your franchisees would typically already be a real estate agent today? Yeah, they would be a real estate agent. And one of the main criteria is that they have to have a passion for the lake life. You can't, you can't develop that in somebody through systems. They have to love it and be living it and just passionate about it. And it's just so funny how now, like we have monthly team calls with our partners that are all over the uh, nation now. And we're all have been living this lifestyle for forever in different areas and coming together on their uh, monthly partner calls and just getting that synergy from each other on what's working at their lake. And uh, it's just such a different market. Uh, so it's fun to come together with people who are living and selling that same lifestyle. So when I think of uh, a franchise network trying to expand and find new franchisees, I often think of like these franchise trade shows or different publications and, and, and uh, there are franchise brokers out there. I've interviewed someone here on my channel. And, and so the fact that someone needs to be a licensed realtor, does that make it easier for you to try to identify someone who might potentially be one of these future partners? Yeah, even easier still that, you know, because we know we wanted to live in a lake market. So, you know, there's millions of real estate agents and brokers around the country, but we know the markets we want to play in. So it's kind of easy to target a certain area and a mm. certain demographic that we're looking for. How many lakes are there? In the country? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, we well, have 20, not... over 2,800 on our website with just the states we're in. Okay. Um, yeah, I think the number is in the 50,000 range. Uh, I don't know the exact number, but it also depends on what size you're talking about. So some lakes, there's a lot of lakes and ponds and a lot of puddles. So it just depends yeah. on what you're talking about. Okay. And so, so um, for the foreseeable future, what, what would be the next kind of steps that you're looking at doing? You mentioned already that you want to lock down everything east of, Missis of the Mississippi before you head west. Um, so how many of these territories are left right now? Well, it's funny, you know, we said from the beginning, we're not a Dunkin' Donuts or a McDonald's. There's not going to be thousands of these. Mm. In fact, we took the opposite approach for a reason. You know, when we were at Remax and Realty Executives, you know, you could have another shop of them within a quarter of a mile of your current business. So <clears throat> that never made sense to us. We said, why are you competing with your own company? Right. And so, you know, we said we really want people that will, um, you know, aspire to take over their entire state, which is what we've been finding so far. So, you know, a lot of these territories, we're talking to somebody seriously now in, in uh, central Florida, uh, you know, they have ambitions of taking over that entire state. And that's what we want. So we just assume have 50 or 100 of these around the country that will handle, you know, every lakefront property that is out there. And that's our goal. And, and let's talk about the, the, the marketing. I mean, when, when one of your partners is operating a state or one of you in, in the states that, that you're operating in, what kinds of things are you doing to attract those people who have, is it simply the fact that people start looking search terms like I want to buy a lake house and they just end up finding you? Is that, is that how 
you're able to find that 1% of the market that is looking for this kind of property? Yeah, well, just to back up, it probably makes sense to talk about what it is we do because we get that question a lot. So it's yeah, okay. not only from a client perspective, but it's from you know a potential partner perspective. And we I kind of use Annie and Lake of the Ozarks as an example. You know, around her lake, there's over 400 agents that live on that lake and they're all competing for the same business. So really, you know, you got to say, well, how do I, as an individual agent, stand out from the crowd? And really the way we do that is through specialization. So we try to get that agent to the number, you know, the top 10 in those 450 that people are calling to say, when I'm thinking about buying or selling a lakefront property in Lake of the Ozarks, Missouri, Annie's my person, her company is my person. That's where I go to them. That's why I go to them. So from, you know, from that perspective, that's why I think that's what we can offer these brokers is the ability to specialize and the ability to be in that top tier list of agents in any given market. From a client's perspective, um, you know, I think we've on lakefrontliving.com, we've solved three problems that were a pretty serious problem in the marketplace. So one is, and I think we talked about this earlier, there was no definition of lakes in, on any particular site. They were spread mm -hmm. out all over the place. So if you want information about a lake, we've got it. If you want to know about any property that's for sale on those particular lakes, we don't just list our properties. We list our the properties from the entire MLS. So in 30 seconds. So, so you're, co you're cooperating with other agents who might have these listings as well. Exactly. Okay. So we don't care who lists the property. We're just trying to service that client. They say, well, if they want to live on Lake of the Ozarks, we're going to show them everything that's for sale on that lake. So that's all a one-stop shop that you can find in 30 seconds or less. And really the third problem was, but once you find the lake and once you find the house, I need an expert to coach me through that purchase mm -hmm. to answer all those questions, David, that you brought up earlier, which is, you know, what what's the lake? What can I do there? What's the recreation? How deep is it? Can I have a boat? I mean, all these things, you really want somebody on the ground that has the answers to all those questions. So those three things is what we brought together on lakefrontliving.com. Okay. And and who makes a lot of those rules? Is it like municipalities or state governments, or do some of these lakes have sort of an equivalent of an HOA that kind of makes these rules for the lake? How do, how do some of these lakes decide, make these rules about size of boats, size of horsepower and all that kind of thing? You hit them all. It's um, private lakes are usually run by an HOA and then the okay. others are usually run by the state. Um, and, you know, with the state, there's no rules. Anybody could go out on those lakes. But on the private lakes, either most are gated. Um, you can't even access the lake unless you have, you know, passes to get on there. And then that was one other thing that we do too is, um, like in Ohio, like when I'm at these different lakes, uh, it's we focus on the lakefront property, but we also have Lake View, Golf Course View, because uh, they're usually usually resort communities. So we have different tiers of homes. Uh, you know, if, if it's a, to buy into lake communities uh, within that. So, okay. So, for example, if there was like a, a condo development that was on the lakefront, even though some of the condos may not literally be at the water's edge, they're still going to be a part of your product mix. You bet. Yeah. Because yep. you get some people that, and, and, you know, on those tiered properties, second tier, third tier properties, you can have, you know, really good pricing out there. So, so for some uh, clients, it may not be important to be right on the water, but to have access to it. And if you can save some money doing that, that's usually a good option. Um, and so why is it lakefront, not waterfront? 
you know, what about coastlines and rivers and things like this? You realize there's sharks in that saltwater stuff, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw that movie. <laughs> yeah, we don't, uh, you know, it's funny because um, our business model is such that you could change the name of the company to Oceanfront Properties. And, and, and what I like about all the systems we put in place, it, it would all work if you just changed one word. It could be golf course. It could be equestrian. It could be mountainous. So, you know, any of those niche property kind of lifestyle property avenues you could you could do very easily. Um, but this is just our thing. And I think, you know, you got to go with something that you're passionate about. you got to go with something that you know well. And, uh, you know, the oceanfront stuff will leave to somebody else. But, you know, for freshwater, that's our gig. Now, when we think about lakefront properties that are vacation homes, the, the family cottage, but there's obviously a certain seasonality to that, especially in the north, right? And so does that mean that this business also has that same kind of seasonality? It does. You know, I found, you know, being in Ohio, uh, well, and Scott, too, he's in Massachusetts, uh, you know, with the snow. But, however, it's it's the sales slow down some, but still the use of the lake house doesn't. I mean, we use our lake house year round. It's beautiful when the snow and put your fireplace on and people go uh, riding their snowmobiles and ice skating and all that. So it can be year round recreational, but, um, and, and beautiful, but the sales do slow down because people find it easier to sell a home when it's beautiful and lush out and the water's up. Cause a lot of the lakes lower for the winter so that their boat docks don't get ruined. It's much prettier uh, to sell in the spring and summer. Yeah, I imagine. Yeah. What when you were planning out this business, did you put any thought into what might go wrong with it? What what hazards do you think might exist for this? Are you afraid that someone might try to copy you or that one of the big franchise real estate brands might try to, you know, do the same thing? Not really. I mean, I I think um I welcome competition actually and I think if you're doing your own thing and you're really passionate about it, if somebody copies that, that's okay. You know, but I, what my learning was there's enough business to go around for everybody. And I think that's why I like our model somewhat, because like Chris said earlier, we get to help each other succeed. So, um, you know, even if somebody left us and went off and started their own thing, you know, all the power to them. I think there's just so much business out there that as long as we keep doing our thing, we keep trying to improve, and uh, go through this kind of continuous improvement cycle. Um, and you know, we'll be fine because we love what we do. But, you know, I don't know um, of anything else. Maybe, Chris, you could add to that. But I, yeah. I'm, I'm one of those people that's um, not smart enough to know that we could fail at something. So uh, it's pretty powerful to not to be that smart. It was a little bit different for me because I'm someone who just, if, if I'm afraid to try it and afraid of failure, then I just won't do it. And this was a huge uh, step of faith for me. I'm, I'm faith driven and I had a vision for this before I ever did it. And I just thought, okay, if we're gonna do this, I'm jumping off the mountain of faith and grabbing your hand and, and seeing where this goes. So that was more, I was more in trust and faith in pursuing all of this than um, what's my competition. And, and it's funny though, because I'm human and when I see another company coming in or, you know, there's somebody out there trying to also do it, but they have a different business model. Um, mm. uh, I'll find myself going, wait a minute here. They're copying us. 
but then it's a compliment and I just have to get myself focused back on staying the playing the course that I'm on and not focusing where others are at. So um, as far as recruiting new franchisees, who, who you're looking for, you're looking for a, someone who already has a real estate license and has a passion for lakefront property. Yep. That's the main criteria right there. And um, you know, a lot of experience that they can lead a team, you know, eventually, you know, with sales and having, you know, not a brand new agent, they wouldn't have enough experience underneath their belt, but uh, the passion for the lifestyle, that's, that's huge. And if you've been selling it for a while, you get it. They're more than likely out there. When we go and go on to lakes and look at lakes in different States, you'll, you'll find them out there, you know, at the lake Remax and this person and whoever may be. And we just go start going after them, letting them know we exist. And I think a lot of them never considered franchising before. And I think that's been, Kind of one of our learnings is that um, not everybody knows what it is or how it works or if they, if that could be them. And I think there's an education piece that we had to learn to, to put out there and just say, you know, if you're an, if you're an agent or a broker and you have these aspirations of, you know, working in a passion like you have for lakefront property, then there's there's an opportunity for you here and you could be a business owner. And if you don't know what that's all about, then just jump on a call and we'll teach you about it. But I think there's a lot of people just didn't even know that that was an option for them. And it is. It, we talked a lot about the system, Scott, that you had put together. Um, and, and I've never worked in a real estate office. Uh, is, is this different from what you mostly find in the, in the big franchise real estate franchise out there? Like Chris, you worked with one of those big brands. Did, did they not give you an operations manual and systems and teach you how to properly run your business? It was there for me to access, but I wasn't disciplined enough to sit down and utilize all the tools that they provided. And what's so nice with Scott and what he does did with me and does with our franchisees, it's a weekly sit down. We're going through these steps um, and this is how we're going to go about it. And, and everything that I had to learn and go through, I was the guinea pig to document everything. And uh, it just changed my world. Also in thinking, I used to just do everything myself. Now I needed to learn to delegate. And that was probably one of the toughest things for me, but oh my gosh, it's so worth it. It's so worth it. Uh, the time that I have now freed up and, uh, and working in where my gifts are at versus um, the tedious things that I couldn't stand doing, but had to do them or didn't do them because I was too busy. <laughs> I'm I'm going to run a, a a little commercial here for for one of our sponsors, and I'm going to come right back with the, with a few last questions, and we'll be we'll be heading towards a wrap up. Sounds, Sounds good. good. This episode of Small Business and Deal Making is brought to you by SMBPodcastNetwork.com. The network is a collection of podcasts and shows from around the internet, which focus on bringing you interviews with amazing guests who share actionable advice ideas and information for small and medium-sized business owners and entrepreneurs. Visit www.smbpodcastnetwork.com to find more great shows and easily subscribe to be notified of new episodes. It's a great way to discover quality content. And if you've discovered us today via the network, then I hope you're enjoying the show and will consider subscribing directly so you never miss any one of our great episodes.
So uh, just to wind things up, I, I would like to ask you if you had to give any piece of advice to someone else out there who maybe had a business, a unique independent business, and they thought, I should franchise this one day. What do you think they should be thinking about or what bit of advice would you give them as they embark on the same journey that you've gone down? Go ahead. Go ahead. I think we're going to have different answers to this, but go ahead, Chris. Well, that's great. That's great. Uh, for me, don't let fear stop you. If you're oh, thinking, oh, I could never do this and oh, this, there's how am I going to get e &O insurance and how am I going to do this and who's going to explain things to me and you let all those things stop you, uh, you're your own lid and you don't want to be a lid and to move forward. And I think a franchise attorney is going to explain everything. So uh, she opened our eyes onto how we needed to think about things and how this mm -hmm. all works. And um, so I think don't be under fear and get a franchise attorney and um, and, and go for it. What was your attorney able to to help control some of the costs, obviously, because they had done this before many times with other people and, and some of the work was able to be reused or or just their familiarity, I guess, would would cut through the the um, of knowing exactly what needed to be done. Um, I wouldn't say that she cut her costs as much as um, she was an actual franchise attorney. So this is all she does for not just yeah. real estate, but for anybody. So she understood what needed to be done. She just had us figure out how much do you spend on signs and how much do you spend on your e &O insurance and all these other things, you know, you need to come up. What is every single thing? Cause we have to put it in there. Um, so they help you process that. Yeah. And I was going to say, I think the best advice I could give is really just be honest with yourself. I think uh, the reason I say that is not everybody who's running a successful business, um, can also be a good franchisor. That's a different hat to wear. And, you know, you're you're moving into a coaching role, a mentorship role. And if that doesn't sound like your cup of tea, then, you know, you can always bring in some other people to manage it. But I think um, it's a different hat to wear than just running a business day to day. And um, I think if you're honest with yourself and, it's, and, you know, you say, can I do that and talk to others that have done it as much as possible, go to some of those IFA, the International Franchise Association events, and just network and meet people. Um, one great part of this whole business model that we found is everybody loves to talk about their business they built. So you will get no um, no shy feedback. I mean, you'll get a lot of good feedback. And the more people you talk to, uh, the more it'll open your eyes to whether or not that's something you really want to do. It's that whole migration from from doing whatever the business is to becoming someone who sells that opportunity to other people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And for anyone here who's interested in learning more about your franchise opportunity, where should they be heading online? So if they want to learn more about the franchise, I encourage them to jump on lakefrontfranchise.com where they can learn more about how it works and who we are and what we do and what territories are available. And uh, again, we're willing to talk to anybody that has that passion. And even if it's just a conversation, we're happy to do it. And what about people who've decided they want the lakefront lifestyle? That obviously is a different website. Yeah, yeah, they they uh, lakefrontliving.com. Okay, perfect. Well, I'm going to note both of those in, uh, in the show notes down below. And, um, and I want to thank you both for joining me tonight. I think it's been a great conversation. And I know that, you know, everyone who's watching everyone who's going to tune in after is going to enjoy this 
um, I, I, I highly respect your business journey and, uh, and I wish you the best of luck. Thanks, Thanks so much. Dave. Appreciate it. All right. Well, have a great night. And for everyone else out there, thanks a lot for joining me tonight. And um, I'll say see you later. And um, we'll talk to you next time. So how can you learn more about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses? Easy. Head over to my blog site, davidcbarnett.com, where you can learn more about me and how I work with my clients. You can learn more about my books and the online courses that I've prepared for you. You can find out about how to subscribe to my email list, the YouTube playlists, etc. There's literally hundreds of hours of content there, all for free, and I'd love for you to be my guest. Special thanks go out to Jeff Alpaw Customs for being my tailor. Men all around the world can look dangerous, just like me with the help of Jeff Alpaw Customs. JeffAlpaw.com, use the code DCB10 to save. They handle multiple currencies and ship anywhere you happen to be.